This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we are massaging our way into episode number 29. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I'm here bringing you episode number 29 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. I first want to offer an apology that the podcasts have been a little bit sporadic lately. I've had a lot going on in my life. The website's moved servers, which has been a major, major deal, and my children have required a whole lot of very hands-on, very time-intensive parenting lately, which is just part of parenting from time to time. Uh, But between the server move, and I've had major email issues with that, and children issues, and just family issues... Life has been really stressful for me, and I've let some things slide, including the podcast. I'm going to try and be much better at getting it to you every two weeks now, and if you're listening to this in the future, hopefully you have a whole bunch of episodes coming behind you uh, to keep you prepared for pregnancy, birth, and baby now. This week's podcast episode, we are going to be talking about postpartum issues. I don't really have any news, big news, that's going on in the birth and baby world. I think the biggest thing lately has been that the Pope has publicly announced that breastfeeding is okay on all church property. I think this is exciting because he's a very public figure who very publicly acknowledged that breastfeeding is God's design. And I have a lot of respect for a man who will stand up and not only say that, but literally encourage mothers to breastfeed while in church or anywhere around and about. And I think that that can be a good encouragement for a lot of moms who are worried about what their families will think and for a lot of families who may be thinking, oh, she shouldn't do that in church or in a public place or something like that. It might cause them to think twice. So that was big in the news in the last week or so. Um, So there's something for you in birth and baby news. Otherwise, there's not really a whole lot going on. I am excited because I've created my very first infographic. And if you don't know what that is, you may have seen one. They're the really pretty pictures that share some sort of information. That's why they're called an infographic. And they're on all kinds of topics, everything from from environmental issues to uh, business issues. I've seen them on so many different topics. But this one that I made, you can probably guess, was based on birth and baby stuff. The infographic, which I will link to in the show notes, is on tips for helping you to get through labor naturally. And I did this because I've noticed a lot of moms lately have said that they're really worried that they won't be able to make it through labor without labor medications. And I just really want to encourage you that you can and that you're not a passive person in labor at all. It's not like you're just sitting back while you're being slammed with wave after wave of pain. That, unfortunately, is what women get out of the society's viewpoint of birth is that it's just some horrible agonizing event and you're just a passive participant. Sorry, you can hear Corwin a little bit in the background. He's on the floor playing beside me. But 
you are, uh, the popular perception is that you're just some sort of passive participant where I, I guess this monster called labor takes over your body. And that's not the case. You can really be up and active during labor. Just take those visions that you have of hospitals in the movies where women are sitting in bed and they're just strapped to a monitor or photographs that you may have seen where they're just strapped to a monitor kind of waiting for the baby to literally be delivered out of them. That's that's really not what our reality of labor should be. It should be about being up and walking around, maybe dancing, maybe swaying your hips, maybe leaning on a counter, maybe sitting on a birth ball, rocking back and forth, maybe being on your hands and knees in bed. But essentially, labor should be an active thing. Okay, sorry ladies, I had to pause to take care of children issues. And, and I guess daddies, if you're listening too. Anyways, the, the popular perceptions of childbirth, they're not really what they're supposed to be. And labor is supposed to be very, it's supposed to be active. It's supposed to be something that you participate in. You're giving birth, not being delivered. Keep that in mind, always. You're giving birth. So when you're preparing to have your baby, there are a lot of things that you can think about doing during labor. And that's kind of what the infographic addresses in a fun and visually appealing way. So I'll link to that in the show notes for you. The only other news is that this week my Corwin turns one. And that's crazy because I can remember getting ready with the podcast and everything after he was born last year. And it seems really just like yesterday. But now he's going to be one years old or one year old, and uh, and we're all very excited about that. But that's my own personal news. With that, let's jump right into the topic today, which is what to expect postpartum. And this topic was actually uh, brought up for me because of a question from a listener just like you. I always like it when you email me. You can email me, Kristen, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and let me know what you'd like me to cover on the podcast. And I'm really happy when I get things like that because it gives me ideas for what will help you. And I really like helping you. The mom who sent me the question, I'm not going to read her exact question because I really, I've expanded the scope of her question. But she was asking me about general procedures that happen to you postpartum because her friend had had a, a tiring experience at the hospital. So I thought I would cover from several different angles what happens in the immediate postpartum, what happens in the first few days postpartum, such as when you'd be in the hospital or when your home birth midwives would be coming to take care of you, and then what to expect in the weeks following birth postpartum. Immediately postpartum, what's going to happen is you and your baby are monitored closely. What happens ideally at this time is that you have totally been in charge of pushing. So there's none of that coaching where you've been yelled at to push or anything like that. There's been no episiotomy, no forceps, no vacuum extraction, uh, hopefully no cesarean section. Nobody's hauled your baby out. Really, it's been very mother-directed. That's very, very much the ideal, that your baby is slipped out naturally. And some moms, when giving birth to their babies in an undisturbed way, 
when baby comes out, and this is for a land birth, not a water birth, but when baby comes out, then they'll just look at their baby for a few seconds below them on the bed or laying on the floor. So they will have helped baby slip out and then they'll just sit and look at baby. This is very natural during an undisturbed birth, kind of a moment to gaze, be in awe, catch your breath. And some midwives think that that time might actually be beneficial to the baby because it gives them a couple seconds for the cord to pulse and then gravity really assists the blood going into the baby. Then mother will generally pick up the baby and bring him or her up to the chest or onto the belly. And some moms do this right away. And moms who have their babies in the water do this right away. So baby gets up to your chest. When baby is brought up to your chest, this isn't necessarily when breastfeeding starts. In fact, I personally am not a fan of the pressure to breastfeed right away. If you look at research... Um, such as the research done by the ladies over at Magical Beginnings. If you look at that research, it shows that the first hour after birth, um, actually, I think they might call it the magical hour. I'll look it up and link to it in the show notes because I didn't bring it up right in front of me um, in my notes that I'm looking at now. But when you bring your baby up onto your chest, the baby doesn't usually, some babies do, but usually babies do not nurse immediately. And it's not actually really even the nursing action that creates safety in the postpartum period. I've talked about this some before, and I've talked about this a lot with my childbirth students. But what what happens to create that safety and to cause the uterus to contract and firm up is just the baby being there, and the baby nuzzles, the baby smells, the baby licks, the baby kneads with his his or her hands, sort of like you've seen, you may have seen a kitten kneading on the mama when nursing. And this is, human babies do that same sort of thing too. It's just very normal. And that nuzzling, licking, and also you smelling your newborn, so you put your head against your newborn's wet head, that causes a hormonal chain reaction, so to speak, that signals to your uterus to clamp down and to cut off the flow of blood, the the placenta shears off the uterine wall, and you give birth to the placenta, which is much easier than the baby because it has no bones. It feels kind of weird, but it... uh, it's much easier. And then your uterus continues to clamp down, continues to firm up, and the the bleeding pretty much stops and, and turns into just the flow of lochia, which is the normal flow of blood after birth. What happens as far as your care providers go during this period is they're assessing you and they're assessing the baby. They're checking everybody's vital signs. Um, they maybe checking the your uterus there but what they're really going to be looking at is the blood flow and is the blood seeming to stop or not depending on where you give birth this is where you may encounter your first well maybe not your first but talking about postpartum interventions your first interventions some hospitals do what they call a managed 
third stage, which means that every mom is automatically given a shot of Pitocin if she hasn't had it, or given intravenous Pitocin. Syntocin is another brand name. It's They're all names for synthetic oxytocin. And you may be given this just automatically, and there's kind of pressure applied to the fundus, which is the uterus, and gentle traction, or sometimes harsh traction on the cord. The cord has been clamped and cut immediately. This is in uh, contrast to physiologic third-stage management, where the cord is not cut, and the uterus is allowed to do what it's supposed to do on its own, and the mother and the baby are together so that the hormonal interactions happen as they're supposed to. It creates safety. And I could do a whole podcast episode on uh, active management versus physiological third stage. And I won't even say third stage management because it's not management. It's just kind of watching over the natural processes that happen. But suffice it to say that nature has a way that this is supposed to happen. And then uh, active third stage management is kind of the scientific technological way of handling this stage because the hospital totally really totally corrupted what the body is supposed to do naturally back in the day when babies were dragged out of drugged mothers and none of this hormonal stuff happened so they had to have a way to stop the bleeding because they had completely circumvented what the body was supposed to do so that might be where you encounter interventions and if you're concerned about it this is definitely something that you want to talk to your doctor about beforehand or your your midwife if you're having a midwife because it's probably not something they're going to talk to you about. It's just protocol. It's just the way that they handle the third stage. And if you want to be the one who's pushing your baby out, bring baby up, and if you don't want those things like synthetic oxytocin and such being given to you, then this is the time to to talk to your care provider about it and and let them know, maybe bring them studies, ask them if they're willing to just watch. And uh, expectant management is may may be a term that they might use for it, Uh, though expectant management can refer to other points in the labor labor process too. But just something that you want to go over with them and you want to find out what your hospital's policy is, what your doctor's policy is, even your home birth midwife. Never assume just because you're planning a home birth that your midwife doesn't actively manage the third stage. It's something that you should talk about. All right, now we're going to talk about the immediate postpartum period in relation to the first uh, hours and first days after birth. In my notes, I divided this up into home and hospital because I'm fairly sure that there are differences between home and hospital, but there are also similarities. I'm going to talk about the hospital first. I have no personal experience with this because I have had all my babies at home, and I suspect that what happens will vary depending on your hospital, which is why it's a good idea to talk to your doctor and talk about the protocols at your hospital. But I did look this up in a nursing textbook, Maternal and Child Health Nursing, Care of the Childbearing and Childrearing Family by Adele Pilateri, I think is how you say her name. Forgive me, Adele, if I've mispronounced your last name. But I went through the nursing textbook just to see what the standard procedures that many nurses read about when they study nursing, and I suspect are probably similar to hospital protocols, what they were so that I could cover them with you. 
I thought it was interesting that the section on postpartum care begins by detailing stages that the mother goes through. And there were three stages, the taking in stage, the taking hold stage, and the letting go stage. Uh, And the taking in stage was very interesting. It's the stage right after the baby's birth where there's lots of dependence on the nurse and the mom wanted the nurse to bring her everything and do everything and interact with the baby and hand her the baby and that sort of thing, which uh, after a few hours or so, it said was generally turned into the taking hold stage where the mom felt more confident, made her own decisions, was ready to sit up, was ready to take care of herself more and and took more charge of the baby. And then the final stage was the letting go stage where the mom kind of accepts the baby for who the baby is, not her imagined picture of the baby, and motherhood for what it is, not her imagined picture of motherhood. I thought the stages were very interesting to to be where maybe a, a nurse's or care provider's viewpoint is coming from because I don't really think that uh, that I personally went through the stages. I do appreciate that the nursing book pointed out that moms who have had a natural birth may reach the taking hold stage earlier. And I certainly think that this this is very true in my experience, that there really wasn't a lot of the taking in stage at all except immediately after birth when I was being helped to the bed and getting settled and everything. But then after that, it was natural birth is pretty empowering and pretty much a a good rush for you. So you don't spend a lot of time letting others serve you hand and foot, so to speak. Maybe you should, but I don't really even think this was referring to hand and foot. It was just referring to basic self-care. And after a natural birth, you really are able to do a lot of your own self-care and your baby's self-care pretty quickly. But that that's just an interesting perspective to think that that might be where your nurse is coming from. But a lot of the big things that she's going to be doing or she's going to be monitoring you, which means she's going to be checking your vital signs. This is one of the things that your fellow podcast listener asked about in her email. She said that her friend was really interrupted constantly throughout the night for checking of vital signs. I'm sorry that Corwin is making a lot of noise, but I, I can't get him to be quiet, and I don't have anybody else to give him to right now. Yeah, so she's going to be checking your vital signs, and I think that how often she does this is probably going to vary depending on your hospital. You should ask your doctor or call the hospital and ask to speak to the head nurse in labor and delivery and ask what their protocol is. Just say that you're wondering how often you'll be woken up to check these vital signs and things. But the vital signs that they'll check are just normal blood pressure, respiration, pulse. They'll probably also check your temperature, especially shortly after labor. It's normal for temperature to be elevated slightly after labor and then come down right away to a normal temperature. Um, But they'll be checking all of these things. They'll also be checking your uterus. This is done most often in the immediate postpartum period. So really in the first hour postpartum, they're wanting to look for signposts for the uterus that it's moving into a specific place that it's supposed to be in your body. Uh, As it contracts down after the placenta is born, they really want to make sure that's happening because... You'll hear the term boggy. If your uterus is boggy, then that means that it's not firming up and there's a possibility of you losing a lot of blood. 
and that's why they're really concerned about checking the uterus. And most of, most of the time, if, if the uterus is boggy, it's going to be in the first hour. But it's something they're going to check on constantly for as long as you're in the hospital, just periodically. When the uterus is boggy, they will massage it. And generally, the uterus responds very well to touch. And they'll use firm touch because that causes the uterus to contract and firm up. Sometimes it can be painful. And, in fact, another book that I'm about to refer to in a minute, a midwifery textbook, says that it's often the mother who protests having the massage done the most who needs it the most. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I can remember, not so much with my last few babies, but with my first couple, um, sometimes my midwife would come in and she would really she would massage because she said that my uterus felt kind of boggy and she showed me exactly what I should do too and my midwife with my last few babies has also been really good about telling me this is what you should feel and this is what you should check for Kristen so that I could really be in charge of myself but it's never really comfortable to have somebody stimulate the uterus but if they do and especially if they're doing it frequently then you can just ask your nurse is is the uterus boggy is it not contracting the way it should or why are you doing this or if it's very firm and she says oh no it's very firm then you might ask her why are you continuing to do it because nursing my baby helps it contract and it's uncomfortable for me and she might explain something to you along those lines one thing in the nursing textbook about this topic that I found a little bit disturbing is that it said that women who don't have oxytocin given after labor are probably going to have boggy uteruses, or uteri, I think is the correct plural, or there's going to be more trouble with the uterus not clamping down. I think that's a phenomenon that may be common in the hospital because the normal hormonal blueprint of labor has been circumvented, but... I don't think it's necessarily inherent with a natural birth where the physiology of the third stage and where the hormonal blueprint of labor has been respected. I got that term hormonal blueprint from Sarah Buckley. Her book, Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering, I I highly recommend that you read. It really goes into all the hormones of labor, of birth, of postpartum, and how they interplay together into a symphony that creates safety. And I think if that's been honored especially easily honored at home if you have a hands-off midwife, harder at the hospital but not unheard of. If you have that time honored, then it's likely that your uterus is going to firm up just the way that it needs to, no matter where you've given birth. So your your nurse in the hospital is going to be monitoring vital signs. She's going to be checking the lochia flow, so she'll probably be changing out pads beneath you to see how much blood there is. She'll be checking your pads that you're wearing in your undies postpartum. She'll be checking the toilet after you go to the bathroom. Again, she'll be gently massaging the fundus is a term that they might use for the uterus. Fundus is the top of the uterus, <clears throat> and she'll massage that if it's needed. Otherwise, she's really going to talk to you about how you're doing and your comfort. She's going to ask you to get up and about. Getting up and about after birth doesn't mean going and running a marathon or running errands. It really means getting up, going to the bathroom, walking back to the bed, just getting up with some regularity to make sure that everything is flowing the way that it should and doing well. 
She might also bring you things like ice packs. She'll talk to you about caring for your perineum. Uh, She may do the inspection on your perineum after birth, but probably it'll be your doctor or your midwife will have inspected the perineum shortly after birth before they package you up to be in your your room with your baby. She's going to check check you for signs of postpartum depression or other problems like that and she may be the one who helps you schedule visits with the pediatrician for your baby and that sort of thing those are the all those are all routine things that the nurse may take care of and if you're going to need follow-up care when you get home or handouts or anything like that then she'll give those to you and she'll probably also talk to you about birth control before you leave the hospital Okay, let's talk about what happens postpartum at home. First thing that they're going to do at home, and this is this is probably pretty similar to the hospital again, I just don't have personal experience with the hospital, is they're going to get you onto clean pads. So if you had the baby on your bed, they're probably going to get clean sheets on the bed. Most midwives while you're in labor will make the bed up with two sets of sheets so that one can just be peeled back and put in the washing machine and then you have clean sheets underneath. And they're going to get you onto clean pads. They'll check your vital signs just like the nurse in the hospital would. Blood pressure, your respiration, that's your breathing, your pulse, and your temperature. They're going to check your uterus. They may massage it a little bit. And it may be uncomfortable as the uterus contracts again. But it's not going to be horribly painful. If you're at home or in the hospital, if you're experiencing pain when they're massaging your uterus, then tell them, especially if it's sharp pain. Because that could be an indication of an infection or an indication of a piece of placenta that's been retained or something. All unlikely, but if you're feeling pain, don't just grin and bear it. Uh, Tell your nurse or your midwife, this is what I'm experiencing. Your midwife... I said that I think that the doctor or the midwife at the hospital probably does this shortly after your baby is, has been born. At home, there's likely to be a little bit of delay to give you some time to enjoy your baby. But your midwife will check your bottom shortly after birth. She'll look for any tears or trauma to the perineum, just like what happened at the hospital. And the, again, they'll make sure that you're on clean padding. They can give you panties and an under pad, that sort of thing. And they'll... They'll check when you get up or anytime they check you, and your nurse at the hospital will do this too. They'll check the pad and under you to see if there's any blood pooling or anything like that because sometimes you can lose too much blood after birth, but it's not a gush or anything like one would think. It's slower and a trickle almost, a steady trickle. And that's, that's when you might notice that your midwife or your nurse gets in and is really massaging the fundus, which again is the uterus. Because they want to stop that because you can end up losing a lot of blood. And so they'll look for blood pooling around your legs or around your bottom or something. And that's that's just them being proactive. They know what to look for. That's to keep you safe. It's a pain. It's annoying. But they're going to ask you about those things. They're going to check for those kind of things. And that's just them looking out for you. Your midwife, just like your nurse at the hospital, is going gonna, is gonna to help you get up. They're both going to monitor you. If you feel faint or dizzy when you get up or anything like that, tell them so that they know, so that they can check for excess bleeding, so that they can check for blood clots. Some blood clots in the postpartum period are very normal. Uh, they're going to help you go to the bathroom. One thing I'll give you a tip for is to just go to the bathroom. As soon as you have your baby, your body switches just like 
that from being pregnant to being not pregnant and a lot starts happening very quickly after birth including mobilization of a lot of the extra fluids that you are carrying around during pregnancy so your bladder is going to fill a lot and you're going to need to go to the bathroom a lot and you want to do that because if you don't empty your bladder frequently and I don't mean every five minutes or anything like when you first found out you were pregnant but frequently Because your bladder can get in the way of your uterus contracting. So you want to keep your bladder empty. And your midwife or your nurse will help you with that. Again, just like at the hospital, your midwife's going to make sure that you're kept warm. She's going to instruct you on care of the perineum after she's checked you. If you're a perineum, if you've got any tears, she may repair those and take care of that. Even if not, she's going to tell you how to take care of it. Because it may be a little bit sore having just had a baby cross it. She'll watch watch out for the baby, just like the nurse at the hospital. One thing a midwife may do is offer you an herbal sits bath. And you might have an, a sits bath at the hospital, too, usually sitting on the toilet. It's usually not an herbal one at the hospital, whereas your midwife will probably offer you an herbal sits bath. And it will probably be just a shallow bath in your tub. And I really like having an herbal sits bath after having a baby. It's very soothing, and baby can come in the bath with you. So that's something you can consider if that sounds like it it would be a good fit for you. And then your midwife, even if you've had your baby at home or at a birth center, your midwife is going to stay with you until she's sure that you're stable and she knows that you have a support person that's going to stay with you. If you have had your baby at home or if you're going to be discharged quickly from the hospital or the birth center, I can't think of a way to encourage you strongly enough to make sure that you always have somebody with you at all times for the first three, four, five days postpartum. There should always be somebody else there with you and baby just to watch over you. And if you've had your baby at home, the your midwife's going to come back a few times, but even in between the time periods that she's there. And if you get an early discharge from the hospital, there's a good chance that a home nurse will come by your house and check up on you. But again, even when she's not there, you want to make sure that you have somebody to look out for you in case you feel dizzy, in case you feel faint, in case you're not able to do something like get your own meals or that sort of thing. Just make sure that there's somebody there for you while you're in the immediate postpartum recovery period. As far as medications go, again, this probably varies on hospital policy. I already mentioned the oxytocin. I would strongly encourage you to find out if this is your hospital policy. Find out from your doctor if you can skip it unless there really seems to be a danger sign for you and your doctor has decided based on your own individual situation that that's a good idea. Otherwise, it, uh, it, it circumvents your body's own natural oxytocin, which is very important. Again, going back to Sarah Buckley's gentle birth, gentle mothering, very important to you and your baby, both postpartum, very important to bonding. So talk to your doctor about that. Otherwise, you'll probably be offered pain medications. This could be Tylenol or anything like that. You can accept those if you want to. They're generally considered safe for breastfeeding. Always ask your nurse or midwife, is this safe for breastfeeding? Some moms choose to take them. If this is your second or later baby, not many moms have them with the first baby, but with subsequent babies, yes, you'll probably feel after pains uh, in the few days after your baby's born, and they can be really tough. 
I have always had really tough after pains. I didn't with my first baby, but with all the others, they've been really, really rough. And some moms do choose to take Tylenol or a pain reliever for those. I never have. I've always kind of just grinned and, bear, grinned and borne it and used uh, labor breathing techniques, tried to focus on my baby, sometimes holding my baby on my belly so that the weight of my baby was right over the uterus helped. But after pains, some women do choose to have Tylenol or something like that for it. So that's your choice. You can think about that. Any of the medications like that that they offer you in the hospital or anything that your midwife offers you, she may offer you Tylenol, she may offer you something herbal, is something for you to uh, for you to consider. It's a good idea to consider it now, but for you to think about then, and you should be able to decline anything that you don't feel comfortable taking or to decide to take something that you do feel comfortable, comfortable taking. I have had it or been told that it's highly recommended for moms who are recovering from a cesarean or who have had major injury to the perineum to go ahead and take the pain medications because they give you pain medications that are safe for breastfeeding and it can help you focus on getting breastfeeding off to a good start better with your baby than if you were in a lot of pain. So that's a perspective to consider. Again, it's up to you to decide. As far as continued care goes, your home birth midwife is most likely going to leave you with a handout. Sometimes they leave you with a little chart that tells you what you should be monitoring in yourself. So often you'll be monitoring your baby's temperature and your temperature and just listening to your baby's breathing and things like that. And I'm not sure if a chart like this comes home with you from the hospital, but it's a good idea, I think, to monitor those things because it just helps you keep track of what's going on. And if you notice fevers or anything like that, you can call your midwife or your nurse or your doctor. Excuse me. A few postpartum warning signs to watch for are breast pain, which a little bit of discomfort and soreness is okay. But you really don't want to be feeling anything. And especially if your nipples are sore or really cracked, then there could be a problem with baby's latch. And um, putting breast milk on there and just letting it dry is a good idea. And any of these breast issues, you may want to contact first your midwife, your nurse, your doctor. But you may also want to contact a La Leche League leader in your area to ask for help. And they can sometimes even give you hands-on help if you need it. Then other things to watch for are red and tender lumps that develop on the breast. Those can be a sign of a plugged milk duct. And you want to nurse the baby and try and change the baby's position often. Massage milk. Hand expressing a little bit can help, especially if baby's having trouble getting the hang of nursing. If your breasts feel really hard, tight, or tender, then you probably want to nurse more often. It's very normal to get engorged after your baby's birth and when your milk finally comes in. But if your baby isn't really able to soften your breasts, hand express or even use a little pump um, and express just enough to soften the breasts and get your baby latched on. And that will help by softening the breasts and increasing your comfort but will avoid building your milk supply because you don't want to do that right now. If you have a tender reddened area or if your entire breast feels hot and you have flu-like symptoms, you should call your nurse or your midwife because that can be a sign of mastitis. If you have any pain in your legs 
like it's your legs feel hot or swollen or red, you need to call your birth attendant immediately. You need to call your midwife. You need to call your doctor right away because sometimes um, blood clot can form after childbirth and can cause inflammation, and you definitely want to get that taken care of right away. Sometimes you might get cramps, especially in the calf, and to do that, just take care of it the way you normally would a leg cramp. So sit with your legs straight and flex your foot. Just stretch your body. Um, we don't really know what the cause of this is, but it seems to be a problem with livestock too. And it often seems to be related to not enough calcium and happens when a mother starts nursing. So you will want to probably eat a lot of calcium-rich foods and also... Um, you want to get magnesium and potassium in too. Those are other minerals that really help with cramping. So you want a really mineral-rich diet. If you're having trouble using the bathroom, your urine is really concentrated and dark, then drink more fluids. Make sure that you're drinking plenty. If it persists, call your midwife, call your nurse. Uh, if you need to urinate a lot, but very little is passed and you're experiencing pain, then you definitely need to call your nurse or your midwife because that can indicate a bladder infection. Um, it's normal to have the lochia flow, which is vaginal discharge, and it's going to be like a heavy period at first, and then we'll pretty quickly taper off over the next few weeks, but it's really heavy only in the first day or so, and then it tapers off somewhat. So it's normal. Your midwife or your nurse will go over with you what is normal, and you really need to watch over it. It will quickly go from bright red to being very dark, rusty colored, and then eventually just to, to brownish and white. If it returns to a very red color after uh, it had already turn to brownish or white, then you need to talk to your midwife, your nurse, or your doctor. The most likely cause of that is you overdoing things, just doing too much and being too busy, but it's also possible that, um, that there could be a piece of retained placenta or something like that, so it's always a good idea to consult with your care provider. And then if you have any pain, any itching, anything like that, call your care provider because that could be a sign of an infection. If you or baby has a fever, um, then you need to call your care provider because, again, that can be a sign of infection. If you're having any problems, if you had an episiotomy or a tear or you're feeling any sort of intense pain, then you call your care provider. So those are some warning signs. All in all, postpartum period usually goes very smoothly. My best recommendation is for you to spend lots of time cuddled up with your baby skin to skin. Stay warm. Make sure you have lots of fluids, somebody bringing you fluids and somebody bringing you food. And just being with your baby and enjoying that interaction, enjoying that skin to skin, enjoying that lovely newborn smell, and letting yourself be pampered. Also making sure you're going to the bathroom frequently, monitoring uh, blood loss. That will help you to have a happy and healthy postpartum. And I actually think I'm going to have to break this podcast episode up into two because we're already almost at the 40-minute mark, and I don't want to keep going for a whole another half an hour. So we'll talk about what to expect in the early weeks after baby's born on the next podcast episode. Again, I love getting questions. This episode was inspired by a question. 
So please email me, Kristen, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com if you have any questions. Uh, Also, please leave me a rating in iTunes. It really means a lot to me, and it helps everybody know about the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Leave me a rating in iTunes. Leave me a rating in Stitcher, and I will talk to you in just a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.